Welcome back to Beyond Strength and Endurance Podcast. I'm the head coach of BSE, Kyle Holman. Today we're going to dive into another episode on programming. What we're going to look at here is how to make your class programming more um, specific to each individual member. Uh, so there is a way to do it within a class setting. Uh, we're going to discuss several things. Um, you know, I think a lot of times the only time like scaling or modifying is brought up uh, to members is in that water metcon, like what's happening in that section, second section of class usually. One spot I think it's very underutilized is in the first section when we're going all over um, more of strength, Olympic lifting skills or conditioning or anything like that. So uh, we're going to dive into some things of first, the difference between scaling and modifying and when they're appropriate to use. And then we will get into some specific examples of how to make this more um, individualized towards your members in the areas of strength, Olympic lifting, uh, those gymnastic skills and conditioning. So let's get rolling. Scaling and modifying. I think these terms are thrown out um, as if they're the same thing all the time. Um, people say scale or modify this or whatever. Um, there is a difference in my opinion. And in, in scaling is the movement stays the same, but we are scaling it down or even up. Uh, so an example of that is, you know, let's say the front squat weight is supposed to be whatever, 185, 125. If I'm scaling that down, then I scale down to 135, 95. If I'm scaling it up, it's 225, 155. So scaling is keeping the movement the same, but increasing or decreasing the level of difficulty of that same movement. So pull-ups is another example. If it's programmed as strict, um, you know, we can scale down to chest bar or chin over bar. If it is, we could even scale that up as well. So remember, scaling is the same movement, but we are scaling it up or down. Modifying is changing the movement. So if we had something like a front squat, for example, and let's just use maybe we have a, um, you know, a very new person in class that just can't get that front rack position or just hasn't lifted at all. If we go to like a kettlebell or dumbbell goblet squat, um, yes, similar stimulus being front loaded, but you are changing the movement now. It's no longer a front squat, it's a goblet squat. Um, I'll use the pull-up example again. If somebody cannot do pull-ups, let's say we're going to put in place of that either a ring row or we're going to do a barbell movement like a snatch grip bent over row. Now we are modifying the movement. We have changed what the movement is. So I think it's important to understand the difference between those two um, because when you get into making your programming more specific to individuals, you're going to need to know when it is appropriate to just scale the movement or to modify the movement. Specific strength training. So this is the first section we're going to dive into here. In, in strength training, we're going to talk about uh, or we're referring to more of the traditional barbell lifts of you know back squat, front squat, deadlift, bench press, um, things like that. So it you know all things being equal from a muscular endurance standpoint, in the more you lift relative to your body weight the more rest you're going to need um, in between sets. You'll, you'll see a lot of uh, charts that would have like a work to rest ratio recommendation for the percentages that you're lifting. Um, and that's all good and fine, but how do you manage that in a class, especially when you have you know, varying different levels of people in their strength training journey? We're going to look at this as kind of as a beginner, intermediate, advanced, if you will. All right. Um, as a beginner, you just can't lift heavy enough to necessitate what would be kind of the uh, generic prescribed work to rest ratio. It, it's a technical standpoint sometimes, but other times if you just, 
you haven't lifted. Um, and we see people like this in class all the time. They're still learning the movement. Um, there might be mobility issues, technical issues, and or they're just not used to lifting weights that feel heavy. So, um, you know, if you did a set every two minutes for these beginners, they're going to finish uh, their reps quickly. And then they're literally just going to feel like they're standing there forever because they just can't lift heavy enough to need that rest. I mean, there's times for, for beginners, they could do a set of whatever, five, and after 20 or 30 seconds, they're, they're ready to go again. Um, on the other end of the spectrum, if you're somebody that can lift very heavy relative to your body weight, let's say two times your body weight in a back squat, if you do five reps, you're going to need some rest. <laughs> so um, it is challenging to, to program this and manage it in a class, but it's definitely doable. So uh, we're going to take an example of working to a one rep uh, back squat. Uh, let's say we're going to program 18 minutes for this. So how do we get specific to that kind of beginner intermediate advanced? A lot of times you're going to see kind of programming in the middle. So uh, for this example, let's say the middle is every two minutes for the 18 minutes. So we're doing a total of nine sets. Once again, those beginners are going to complete their one rep in three to five seconds and literally are just going to feel like they're standing there walking around doing nothing. Uh, for people who lift very heavy, um, that two minutes is not going to be nearly enough rest to really work to a one rep um, back squat. So in this example, what I would do with beginners, um, and this is, these are people that are you know, new to weightlifting, uh, can't back squat their body weight yet, um, and things like that. So I would recommend doing an EMOM for these people. So every minute on the minute for 18 minutes, that's 18 repetitions that they're going to get with that one back squat. That, you need those repetitions when you're a beginner to practice your technique and your setup. And it's good coaching opportunities for the coach that they get 18 chances um, as they move around the class to help these people. So it's also going to help them understand they're going to have 18 uh, sets to slowly build up and wait. And this is how you figure out early on what you can and can't lift. Uh, for that intermediate group, so this would be, I would say, you know, around one and a half times your body weight. Um, if you can squat that, then the, every two minutes would be good. You know, you do one rep, you know, you could probably start around 75%. You know, this is nine sets that they're going to do now. And they can slowly build up in that. Um, it won't feel like a ridiculous amount of rest because they are lifting heavy enough that they want that rest in between. And you need that rest in order to lift uh, to the percentages and, you know, get to that new one rep max or, or a heavy single. For those that can lift two times their body weight or more, now I'd recommend going every three minutes. So these are seasoned lifters. Um, they're going to go for a huge number and they want all of that rest in between so they can uh, not only physically be ready, but mentally uh, get it dialed in to go heavy. So you got these varying time frames, And, you know, as, as someone managing a class, as a, as a coach, you, you might be thinking like, well, how, how am I going to have all these different groups of people, you know, on different time frames? The positive thing is you got to understand that A, everyone is going to be working for the same amount of time and they're going to be working appropriate to their strength level. So that's why this is important. Um, but there's a way to manage this and it's, you know, you need to clearly define what the levels are. So if a beginner is, you know, you haven't squatted your uh, body weight yet, or if you don't even know your max yet, uh, that would be a beginner in my opinion. You know, intermediate is you know your max and you're getting to around one and a half times your body weight and then that advance would be two times your body weight. You can easily do that math and know where you fall in this. Um, and then you also have to understand, I mean, 
it's you're not going to have all three of these levels in every single class you coach. So you might only you might only have one level. You might only have two. So um, don't get overwhelmed so much with it um, in that, from that standpoint. But once you clearly define, then you know if you have multiple clocks uh, in your gym, you can utilize multiple clocks. Um, or you know we all use the the small whiteboards to keep track of our uh, rounds or reps or things or whatever in a in a water metcon. So you can tell them, hey. Beginners, you are going every minute. That's pretty easy for them to understand. You can tell the uh, intermediate people you're going every two minutes. So even if you want them to write down, you're going at zero, two, four, six, eight, ten, so on and so forth. And then for the advanced, you know, you're going every three minutes. You're going zero, three, six, nine, twelve, so on and so forth. Um, that gives them they know exactly when they're going because um, it can be tough for a coach in this situation to call it out every single time someone's supposed to go, um, but. You know, in my opinion, members got to take ownership of their training um, just as coaches take ownership of their class. So it's not a bad thing to educate them on this, have them take ownership, have them pay attention to that clock and things of that nature. Um, so once again, I think within implementing anything new, um, as a coach, it might seem a little overwhelming, but I promise if you plan it all out, you can do it. Um, and anytime, look, members will do whatever you tell them to do. Um, so, you know, the first couple of weeks you're implementing something like this, might it be you know, a little bit of uh, chaos? It, it might be. It depends on how well you're managing your class. But I promise you they'll pick it up. Um, and this is a way now that everybody can lift uh, to their appropriate level, get the appropriate amount of rest for them, um, and honestly their gains will be much uh, increased much faster and, and much more consistently when you are giving them something specific to each person within the class. Specific Olympic lifting. So we looked at in strength training the you know kind of work to rest ratio as a, according to their strength level, um, and that's something you can utilize as well in Olympic lifts. But what we're going to look at here is stringing reps together. So touch and go reps. Um, when you are a beginner and you do not have uh, you know it's it's a new movement to you, and uh, the Olympic lifts already are you know more challenging from that aspect than you know something like a back squat. Of course, there is technique to back squat, but when you look at the level of difficulty, a clean and especially a snatch is much more uh, difficult from a technical standpoint to get that dialed in. So if you're not efficient at one rep at a time, trying to do touch and go reps where you're hitting and coming right back off the ground as a beginner is, is really going to cause your technique to get uh, shitty in my opinion. So uh, we'll use another example here of if we had a 15 minute time frame and we wanted to work uh, to a, a two rep touch and go um, heavyweight, let's say. So once again, with beginners, I just mentioned that touch and go reps, in my opinion, for beginners should never be done. Uh, they need to focus on one rep at a time. So once again, in this uh, instance, I would go with a 15 minute EMOM. We can still do two reps. So let's say we're doing power cleans, um, but they will do two singles in the minute. So they will complete the power clean, drop or set the weight down, reset up and do another rep. So this allows them to focus on one rep at a time. It's going to give them, I mean, 30 repetitions in this 15 minutes. And they can obviously, they're beginners, so they're going to start at a lightweight. And they can slowly build up from there. But the most important thing is we're focusing now on technique. Um, so this is a great opportunity as a coach to really help them uh, within those 30 repetitions um, work on their technique. For those that uh, know their max and have become a little bit more technically efficient now, and um, now we're kind of talking about that intermediate crowd, you know, and it is a good time now to, we're, we're at some point we're going to have to start work on stringing uh, those reps together. 
so for them, I would work on going every 90 seconds. That gives them a little more rest because they can lift heavier uh, than the beginners. Um, but they're going to complete that power clean. I would recommend coming to, back down to their thighs, stop, gather themselves, and then touch and go off the ground and complete the second one. So we're, we are working on touch and go reps now, but we're doing it in more of a controlled fashion. Uh, so that way they can you know, complete that first rep and make sure they're ready before they touch and go on that second rep. For advanced athletes, I would honestly give them the 15-minute just open time frame. Um, these are seasoned people. Technique is pretty solid at this point. They've probably done uh, a lot of touch-and-go reps at this point. Uh, so you can allow them to control their work to rest within this 15 minutes, um, and they can do you know a power, that first power clean and boom, touch-and-go right into that second power clean. Um, so once again, we're trying to get more specific to each individual. And like I said, with beginners, if you're having them do touch and go reps, it's just going to turn into a shit show. Um, and that's not, uh, that's not us doing our job as programmers and as coaches. We're not putting them in the best situation to be successful. Uh, so once again, just like we talked about in strength training, you need to clearly define what the different levels are, um, have them write down the time frames from which they're going, and take ownership of that. And that way people are working at their appropriate level. Because um, once again, remember, you're not going to always have all three levels in class. Um, but this is a way that if you do, um, that you can control that and allow people to work at their appropriate level. And once again, that is going to um, allow their rate of improvement to be on a much steadier incline when they are working to their level and not doing something that's you know way too difficult for what they're in. Or you know if they're seasoned, getting way uh too little of rest where they cannot now hit the stimulus on that heavy weight. Specific gymnastics skills. Skills, I think, is, is a tough one, honestly, to, to program to everybody's uh, specific level because there's just so many variables that come into play. Um, there are people who can't do a single rep. There are people that can string together a ton of reps and everywhere in between. Uh, so that's where it can be challenging uh, to really work towards everybody's uh, level in this. Um, I think a lot of times when people do skills in class, it's like we're always just working on the drills of it. And definitely a time and a place for that, but for those people who aren't strong enough, the, the drills aren't doing anything for them. Uh, you can get up on the rig and do work on kipping swings as much as you want, but if they don't have the strength to begin with, it's, it's not helping them. Um, and, and on the other end of it, for people that can string together 10 or more reps, um, like I said, yes, everybody can benefit from basics, but you know, if you're just going to work on the transition of the muscle up to whole class, A, there are people that don't have the strength and they might not have the strength for a year or even more. So I don't feel like that's the most appropriate thing for them. And then, yes, for the people that can already string together a bunch of reps of this, like, the, you know, it's just not very much enjoyment for them. So um, I think skills is presented a lot of time. We talked about the difference between scaling and modifying it's like we present it to, you know, either from programmer to coach or coach to member, like it's some Excel formula that just, if this, then that. Like, so if you can't do a pull-up, do ring rows. Um, you know, once again, there's a time and a place, but it's not always, that's not always the best way to go about it. Um, so remember, I did another episode on this of how to properly build your skills. So I won't go too in-depth here, but remember the progression is, first, I have to acquire the strength. Uh, like I said, there's not a drill in the world that's going to help you if you're not strong enough. Um, from there, we need, now we can introduce the drills to get that first rep because you're strong enough. Once we get our first rep, now it's time to work on building more unbroken reps of that. Um, once you build, 
to first build unbroken reps, we need to do that first under no fatigue. Um, so you need a, a rest in between sets to where no fatigue is accumulating, your heart rate isn't getting up high, um, because we need to be able to start stringing together reps without any other fatigue there. Once we've built a decent amount of reps on that, then we can now start to introduce some general and specific fatigue. Um, because honestly, you know, obviously when you're in a water Metcon, you know, you're doing other things. Your heart rate's up, your muscles are burning, and it's much more difficult to be efficient stringing those reps together um, when you're tired as opposed to when you're fresh. So remember that basic progression. So how do we program this specific to everybody in class? So if we take something like a pull-up and we're, let's say we have a lot of 12 minutes that we're going to work on this. For those who don't have the strength yet, that means they can't do a pull-up or even I would put people that can do less than uh, three um, in this category. We need to work on strength. Um, what we found uh, as a good strength marker for pull-ups is a snatch grip bent over row. Uh, so if you can do a snatch grip bent over row for one rep at, uh, in a very strict fashion with 75 to 80% of your body weight, then you should now have the strength to do a pull-up. Uh, those markers we just found very important because I'm sure you know, you've told anybody that can't do a pull-up, they need to get stronger, but how strong? Um, and people can put in a lot of work and if they're still not strong enough, they can get frustrating, uh, frustrated. So having a specific marker to get them to will help them work and keep working towards that. So in this 12-minute time frame for pull-ups, I would recommend those people work on uh, snatch grip bent over rows, and you can you know do a linear progression, especially if you're gonna you know kind of put a pull up cycle in here where you know they start at twelves and then they go to tens and eights and so on and so forth. But that will allow them to work towards being able to have the strength that they need to do a pull up. For the intermediate group, um, once again, I would they need to be able to do at least three pull ups here. Um, if they can't, then do strength training. I mean, it's it's not going to not benefit them, all right? They're going to get stronger, so it's still beneficial. But if you can do three and up to nine, I would put you in the intermediate category. And now we need to work on building more unbroken reps. So this is where I would utilize uh, an EMOM for 12 minutes. And 60%-ish is a good uh, place to start. So, you know, if I can do uh, nine pull-ups, that would be doing around five each time every minute. Um, and that's accumulating 60 pull-ups. Um, so that's a way for them to build reps, but those, you know, five pull-ups are only going to take them eight seconds and then they're going to get a good amount of rest, uh, before they have to go again. That's building those skills, uh, with uh, no fatigue yet. For individuals that can do 10 or more unbroken pull-ups, now it is a time to start introducing, um, some fatigue. Uh, so you could do something, um, you know, like, an assault bike uh, where we're doing some calories on the assault bike to jack that heart rate and now working on stringing those reps together and that 60 percentage range is is a good one to go off of so once again if somebody can do you know let's say 20 pull-ups then you might be doing you know whatever 15 hard calories on the assault bike and then doing um, those 12 pull-ups and this would be a kind of an every two or every three minutes type thing uh, so once again you can see there's a lot of different variables that come into play but at least in this format now for people who aren't strong enough, we're working on strength. For people that can do some reps, but not very many, we're working on building those reps um, and getting a lot of rest. And then for the individuals who can string together a bunch of reps, now we are further progressing that by introducing some fatigue and then having them still be efficient um, on stringing reps together. So uh, once again, use that same motto, clearly define uh, the levels, make sure everybody knows when they're going and what they're doing. Um, and now you can actually be more specific as a coach 
um, on helping people. You know, I'm working on, you guys are working on building strength, so I can coach that. Other people are working on stringing reps together, I can coach that. Um, so once again, don't get overwhelmed. Um, this is going to go a long way to really get specific to each of your members so they can build, um, you can meet them where they're at and they can appropriately build from there. Specific conditioning. So with conditioning, you know, we're looking at uh, rowing, running, uh, the ski erg, bike, stuff like that. Um, with things like rowing and ski, there is definitely a, an optimal technique. Um, I mean, yes, there is a, a technically efficient way to run um, and to make sure you're utilizing uh, what you need to do on the bike. But uh, row and ski, there's definitely a little bit more technical aspect to go into that. Um, and just like anything, just like lifting weights for those beginners to this, you know, you'll see people on rowing. Uh, if you haven't instructed them or just early on when they're you know getting used to rowing, they're they're kind of all over the place. They're leaning too far back or sitting too far forward. The you know, they're the chains bouncing all over the place because they're bending their knees before they get the uh, handle past it. And um, so now it's just they're never going to be able to get uh, really the true stimulus of conditioning um, until they get that technique dialed in uh, a little more. So once you got your you know basic technique down on stuff, you know now it's an opportunity to work on building specific ends of the energy system uh, spectrum, right? So those short bursts, high intensity things, um, and then more longer, slow distance type stuff. So once again, we'll take a look, uh, and I'll use rowing in this example um, of how we can get specific to each individual uh, within this. So um, the other thing to consider in, in these things is even if uh, a beginner starts to get their technique in a much better spot, um, or if we're looking at something like uh, running or um, you know on the bike where just not a huge technical aspect. Understanding pace is huge. Um, this allows you once again to, if we work on specific things uh, as far as energy system development goes, they can understand how hard they're supposed to push or what paces they're supposed to hit. Um, but also in water Metcon, you know, not saving too much to where uh, you know you're spending too long on these things or um, or not coming out of the gates too hot. So we we'll use an example of a 15 minute time frame again. Um, you know, individuals that don't know really any of their times on anything on a row, they don't know their 500 meter time, 1K, 2K time, um, or and or just very new to this, um, then we really need to work on, you know, just like we did in weightlifting and, and Olympic weightlifting repetition. Uh, so in this instance, I would recommend going every three minutes. Uh, so they're doing five sets and you can get, uh, have them row for, um, you know, like a minute 45. And this is an easy pace. But this is your opportunity to um, work on some things, work on the proper technique of their row and explain that to them. And now they're just rowing at an easy pace where, you know, they're not going to get too winded, um, but they can focus on that technique of it. Um, at this point, too, you can have them pay attention to their, you know, 500 meter pace, um, their stroke rate, things like that. You know, you can get longer, stronger pulls on a, a lower stroke rate, or you can get shorter, quicker pulls on a higher stroke rate. These are all things to help people understand more of not only the technical aspects of rowing, but understanding their paces and what they can and can't do and how hard they should push and uh, what effort levels there are. Um, I've talked about it in another episode, but early on with people, you'll see kind of the same effort level, if you will, no matter the duration of it. Uh, you'll have somebody do a 2K row and they're rowing at two minute pace and they do a 500 meter all out and it's two minutes. <laughs> so uh, that's where they just really don't understand different effort levels. So this is a good opportunity to work on that. For people that really know those 500 meter times and, and 2K times, 
now we can really begin to work on that energy system development. So um, depending on what you want to focus on in this, you know, this could be, um, you know, doing a 500 meter row uh, every three or four minutes um, so they can push the pace on that. Um, or it could be uh, longer duration, like a 2K row and taking some rest and repeating. Uh, so once again, really think about when you're programming these things, how can I get more specific to people? And for beginners, it needs to be more of a focus on the technique and learning the movement and repetition, repetition, repetition. As you get into intermediate and advanced, now we can start focusing on more specific things about, um, in this example of conditioning, about those paces and how hard to push and really start to see the difference between short duration and long duration and things like that. Um, so just clearly define these things uh, once again and, and make sure people know what group they're in and what they're doing and what they're focusing on. Um, once again, I've mentioned a lot in other episodes that as a programmer, you need to be able to communicate to your coaches the why behind the what. Because uh, for those coaches, if they can understand the why then they can communicate that to the members. And when they understand why they're doing stuff, they can coach better. When the members understand why they're doing stuff, they can focus more and know um, what this is helping them accomplish. Programming mindset. I think the biggest thing to take away from this individual specific class programming philosophy is to break free from the tunnel vision that limits how you logistically program for the class. It's something that I have to remind myself in all areas, not only when I'm programming, um, but coaching in owning my business, um, even as being a parent and things like that. It's like we get stuck in this tunnel vision or these ruts of like, well, this is just how you're supposed to do that. Well, ask yourself why and do I have to do it that way? Because a lot of times you'll find that this truth that you've been basing it off of isn't isn't really true at all. I mean, the world is your oyster. You can you can program classes however you want to program classes. Um, and you have to obviously take things into consideration of that we should be making people better and um, there should be a rhyme and a reason and, and a, a why behind the what to what you're doing um, and the logistics of class. I've mentioned this in the kick-ass class experience of, um, you know, you, you got to make it to where people can coach the class and smoothly move through it and members get what they need out of it. Um, but just challenge yourself on when you are looking at programming the key is how can you constantly, A, allow your coaches to coach more because that's what they're there for. Um, they're not there just to be a lifeguard and make sure everyone stays safe. And yes, that's important. Um, they're not there just to manage a class. They're there to coach. That's why people come uh, to the gym. That's why people pay for this. They want a coach uh, who is knowledgeable um, to make them better, make them stronger, make them more fit. Um, and as a programmer, that's your job as well. You need to provide programming that is getting specific as you can to individuals in class so you can meet people where they're at, um, at their level, and effectively progress them forward. Uh, so challenge yourself on this. Look at the programming you've done over the past weeks and months and how could you change or modify it to make it more specific to people and um, get the more why behind the what and start to get uh, specific uh, ways to build people on their lifts and on their technique and on their conditioning and things like that. So um, shift that mindset, break free of that tunnel vision, and you'll be able to program much more efficiently and much more effectively.